0: The Deep Dive with Nick Babel. Welcome to the Deep Dive podcast with Nick Babel. I'm your host, Nick Babel. Uh, My guest today is Mike Santos. He is a scenic design and artist uh, for the Naples players in Naples, Florida. Mike has been working in theater for over 20 years. Mike and his wife Judith have been doing improv for 13 years. They currently own improv company Stage 2 Improv. Um, welcome Mike and thanks for doing the
1: podcast. Hey Nick, good to be here. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Yeah, I I'm excited to talk to you. You know, I uh, I vaguely know what you do and I've seen you know, I've seen your improv stuff. Uh but I don't really, you know, know how you got into it and all that. So, so that's, that's really my first question. Uh, what got you interested in theater?
1: Well, uh, yeah. Well, I guess the, the first thing to, to say is it, it is two different things. I, I, I do yes. work in theater. So I, I work in uh, the theater community. Uh, I've been all different kinds of things. Uh, uh, you know, just a charge artist, painter. I was technical director for a period of time. Um, right now, I'm designing sets, so that's actually my my regular job. The job that I do on the side, kind of in my quote unquote spare time, is uh, the improv company. Yeah. So um, that's kind of an extra thing that my wife and I do. But um, I don't know. Kind of starting off, get you know. Growing up, I was never very into performing or anything like that you know theater wasn't necessarily anything that interested me early on in my life like you know you know elementary school high school anything like that
0: that surprises Uh, me I would I would have I would have thought you were the class clown
1: well you know I mean I (laughs) not necessarily I I guess I was more a, a clown at home more so than at school, uh, you know, I was very shy at school. In fact, like, you know, going into, you know, those book reports you had to do where you had to, uh, you know, explain the book after you read it in front of everybody in the, in the class, I would, I wouldn't be able to get through it without my face turning purple. Actually <laughs> kids, kids would make bets as to how red my face would get when I would, when I would do that. Cause I would feel like everyone was looking at me. And they were. So um, I was very shy. I hated being picked, you know, picked to say whatever answers in class and stuff like that. So I was very hesitant to get involved with theater, actually. Mm. So um, it wasn't until college where I uh, just got bored one weekend. You know, I didn't I wasn't doing anything. It was like freshman year of college. Uh, I went to college in upstate New York. And um, you know, upstate New York, it's getting towards fall. It's kind of like you know, you, you better go indoors soon, or else uh, <laughs> the snow's gonna cover you up. So, um, uh, so yeah. So I just kind of wandered into the college um, theater, and of course, as soon as I open the door, they're like, oh, "A man, get up <laughs> on stage! You're you're auditioning." Because traditionally, you know, at least from what I've experienced in my life, it's always uh, there's less male um, interest in theater than there is, you know, women. Yeah. Just because, you know, at least, you know, where we grew up, it's, you know, guys do sports, girls do other kind of things like that. It's not completely true because we had a kick-ass uh, field hockey team in Marathon, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it started. I I just kind of was bored on a Friday night and I went and wandered into, uh, the theater randomly and it kind of spiraled from there. So what did you do first? Did you
0: do some acting?
1: Originally, I, I originally went in and, uh, they just had me audition i think i think i just read like part of whatever audition they were they were doing and i sucked at it of course because <laughs> you know i was embarrassed and i hated everybody looking at me but there was something that the teacher you know well, she was a teacher at the, at the school but um mary rose was her name mary rose would um would would be so inviting she was such a good uh soul in terms of boosting you up as a person so you know it's that that confidence that i got from her to even just say words out loud and uh and that's what that's what it started with yeah so acting was where i started with it and then as i got more into it i was like oh yeah and i can paint oh yeah and i can draw and you know (laughs) i'm an artist by trade so that's that's where the uh, the other finite details kind of fell into place. I was like, oh well, it seems like a perfect fit because you can do sets.
0: And it's kind of funny getting back to, to your teacher there, you know, I've i found that the the really good teachers that that inspire you are always the ones that are, you know, not mean or you know don't don't push you tough. They're the ones that are encouraging. I had a, a speech a public speaking teacher um, in college that was like that and I kind of had the same problems you know I'd get really red in the face and uh, you know when I had to do the reports it was like you know terrifying but this teacher she was so nice and she told everybody like that was wonderful that you know she was she never you know you know gave anybody bad you know bad she said if you if you're brave enough to get up and speak in front of everybody then you did it you already did a great job so right
1: yeah you know didn't matter for the kids the kids still picked on you mercilessly but <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah you know you got to well, deal with that separately
0: that's true college was a little cooler though you know i think everybody was kind of more chill about the about that stuff but um so when did you get into doing doing artistic stuff like the the painting and the the design stuff?
1: That's, that's stuff I I I've done my entire life. I I mean you know the, the weird thing in, in my family is uh you know each everybody has their thing. Right. You know my uh, my sister her thing was cutting hair, and uh, you know my brother his thing was you know doing the the music stuff. So my thing was was painting and drawing and I've always been able to do it. It was something that I just kind of did as long as I can remember. Like I bet I bet you if you looked in my mom's Encyclopedia Britannica, you'd see (laughs) little doodles of me with crayons still in there. I bet you they're still in there because it was, you know, I was what, maybe three or four just kind (laughs) of drawing on (laughs) stuff all over the place. And uh, I don't know, and and you know, as a teenager, I got really into comic books and like Marvel and X Men and all that stuff. So I, I kind of went into the whole uh, wanting to become an illustrator really early on. So nice. that was just stuff I that I liked and I was good at. So
0: yeah, I feel, I feel like that, you know, each artistic type of thing, you, you kind of you're born with the, the, the talent. It's just how much you want effort
1: you want to put into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, if you think of it kind of like, like a sports, a sports figure, you know, Michael Jordan, even though he would, I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, by the way, I'm just <laughs> saying, <laughs> you know, you, you think of Michael Jordan as a, an amazing athlete, but he, his greatness is he's so great because he has that greatness to him. But also he worked hard, he worked his butt off. So you can't, you can't do one or the other to be as good as you possibly can be. You still have to practice. You still have to put the work in. And I think that's something that, that some people, you know, even in sports, they don't realize you have this guy, you know, we're both baseball fans, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. You have this guy coming up. Billy Bean is a great example of that. Billy Bean had this great potential. He had this great, you know, th- he just couldn't make it. Yeah, he uh, he he sucked when he got to the majors. The, awesome potential, you know, all this stuff. He had the it factor. He didn't either. He didn't put the work in, or it was the his his work ethic. Something didn't click for him.
0: Oh yeah, so, that that's a like a recurring story in sports. That you know. There's been guys where, you know, I can't think of a great example right now, but the Yankees had this catcher, Matt Noakes, that was coming up in the mid-90s, you know, just before mm-hmm. Jeter and all those guys. And he was supposed to be the next, uh, you know, the next big thing. And he had all the talent. But just like you were saying with Billy Bean, once he got to the majors, he was like, he was up there a couple of years and he just, he didn't get it you know yeah. and you know history is full of sports guys that probably you know through high school and college they were being told oh you're great you're great you're the best you know and they just never wanted to put the work in and uh, you know the athleticism will only get you so far and it's like that with you know with everything sometimes sometimes the hardest worker you know beats the the, the more gifted you know person just because they're you know they want it more
1: yeah exactly and and it's it's that it's that hunger for whatever it is you know everybody has their own uh you know wants needs and and desires and whatnot and then and it's that whatever that is that motivates you that's why you're gonna do it uh whether it be like you know you're you really want to have a great body. So you're going to work out forever. So there's something inside you that clicks that says, okay, I'm going to do this every day. And because of that, then, you know, that's why the rock is the friggin' rock. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so you definitely, you, you prefer doing the, the behind the scenes stuff more than, than the stage stuff with theater.
1: That's interesting. I probably get asked that question just by random people that know me more than anything, and, it, and I find that funny because it's. Um, I think ultimately, yes, I would rather be behind the scenes making something creatively to make whatever whatever it is I'm working on, whether it be a show right. or. Uh, Uh, I mean, I've done some little, little set pieces for like little TD things here and there, nothing big, but you know, something, but like, I'd rather, I'd rather see other people succeed by something that I helped create than actually be in front of the camera or in front of, you know, on stage with, uh, you know, not, not having had a hand in some, some of the creative stuff behind the scenes. I mean, I would do it, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I do do it. I, you know, improvise in front of people. But um, I don't know. I But I kind of, in a weird way, I, there's also a part of it that's, it's very similar. Like, to be creative, whether it be performing, painting, singing, dancing, however you express yourself, it's still the art form itself that it's 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 you know it's a it's a collaboration no matter what it's very rare that like an artist is a singular artist with no help at all Very true. i mean maybe i would say possibly stand-up comedians Mm -hmm. are an exception possibly
0: yeah but even even some of the biggest stand-ups famously had writers you know yeah kind of yeah. frowned upon a little bit but it's kind of like that deep dark secret like Chris Rock he, he's had writers you know mm-hmm. and he's one of the funniest you know but yeah you know it's, it's really true because you know I went to school for broadcast journalism and as I got into it I realized I didn't like the on camera stuff or the mm-hmm. know just I don't know I didn't have the aptitude for it I guess but I really enjoyed the writing aspect and that's really where I excelled with all that stuff so you know that kind of led to the newspaper writing I did you know after after college and stuff but you know the people think just because you know you're the face of the show or the whatever like that's the ultimate goal for everybody it really isn't you know
1: yeah like there, there there have been several times while uh you know my wife and i perform an improv show or something and every once in a while you'll get somebody from out of town or something like hey i used to work in such and such and you guys are pretty good Do you ever think about taking it you know more you know, nationally or you know, going to Orlando and doing this and that. Right. And and you know, of course it it runs through your brain and you start thinking bigger and you're like, oh what if we made it big? (laughs) I don't I don't know if I'd ever want that. You know, like celebrity is such a weird abstract thing anyway. Like there's there's something to be said about being a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. You know, you can you can you can have a great career in a, in a setting that's just comfortable for you. Um, yeah. which, which is funny because I think I even said something similar to that in, in college. I went to a college that wasn't huge, but you know, it, it was, it was a good side a private school um, which is weird to say, because I'm still paying off that friggin' debt, but <laughs> <laughs> 20 some odd years later. No, not quite 20 yet. It's like 18 years later. Um, But, uh, you know, if you go to a bigger school, you know, like a, like a Syracuse or your, or, you know, NYU, you know, you could get lost in just the sea of, you know, thousands and thousands of kids trying to do the same exact thing you're doing. So like, you know, you go to a, you know, you have to go to like a community college to get like something that you're passionate about. You're the person that's passionate about that thing. If you just get the the enough tools to keep you going at it, you're gonna succeed.
0: Definitely, I think a lot of those colleges, they're paying for the name. You know, yeah. they've done studies yeah. that that you you get a better education. You know, not not univ- not every community college, but most community colleges, you'll get a better education than say like a a big name school because you know it's like anything else you're you're paying for the brand name
1: and you know that stuff looks good on resumes but well how many of those big schools do those students actually get a chance to talk to their teacher exactly like actually one-on-one you know several minutes at a time maybe a yes or no answer i I mean i don't know I, i i'm making a bit of an assumption because i never went to a school like that but I mean, you know, going to a smaller school, you have you have the teacher right in front of you. You probably have more opportunity to get uh, yeah. a little more privatized, I guess, education.
0: Definitely. And you get to know them. Like, I still have contacts, you know, from, from the school I went to. Like, I could still email, like, two or three different professors from the school. And, oh, that's cool. You know, so... Yeah, it's it's actually helped me a couple of times, you know. Get just doing that, you know, getting a recommendation mm-hmm. from one of them or something.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's great. And and that's that's something too that, that you don't realize is that the um, the more intimate uh, interaction. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that's that's interesting is because we you know at the theater where I work, uh, we get interns coming from all different places. Like we had kids from all across the the nation really. And, um, you know, they come from different backgrounds and different places and different colleges. And it's amazing how different, uh, for example, a theater education is from one school to the next. You know, you come in with certain skills you know, from, from X, Y, Z campus. And then the next year you have uh, a kid coming in from ABC school and uh, completely different, maybe not as much information, maybe a little different kind of spin on some of the education. And <laughs> sometimes it's pretty drastic, <laughs> which is scary to think about. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not standardized really. There's no, True. I mean, some of it is, but not, not all of it.
0: Yeah, so, that, yeah, that's kind of interesting. You you kind of see, you probably get to know which schools, you know, actually are doing a good job teaching the kids. And then which ones are, you know, you're probably going to have to show them more, more of the basic right. stuff.
1: And hands-on stuff. I mean, sometimes they're good at the, uh, you know, the knowledge of it but actually applying it, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah, And and that's just everybody. Everybody, you know, you need to, to work on things. You're not going to learn how to build an engine, you know, a car engine by reading a book. You got to put the right. work in and like do it with your hands, you know? Definitely.
0: I've always considered myself a hands-on repetitive learner. Like mm-hmm. you know, I have to, people can tell me stuff or I could read it. A couple times and i just can't and if it's you know like a guide to do something i just my brain doesn't work like that i have to try it a few times and just getting once i get something going then you know that's how yeah, i figure the, it out
1: i i think there's a there's a term for that it's just uh you know like because i'm a visual learner if i see <laughs> it if i visually see something I can actually usually memorize it or remember it, or at least get a recollection of it. Yeah. Um, But um, then there's also uh, people who can do things auditorily, you know, like listening to music and stuff like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Like you
1: hear a song and then they can like sing it like verbatim over and over again, just once. But I think there's a way, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's if you use your hands and you physically do something that that's another way to learn yeah um i forget what it's called though
0: yeah no but i i get what you're saying it's kind of funny that's why you know a standardized high school is not really always the best way to teach people because people learn things differently you know
1: yeah yeah that's and that's why you know i always say to to kids who uh who come into our intern internship is um you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, going to a little community college for a year or a semester or two, kind of just get your bearings, know how you work. Because after you get out of high school, you're kind of in charge of yourself. (laughs) You know, (laughs) no one's gonna, no one's gonna make you do homework. You have to do it yourself. Like you're, you're your own boss, so to speak, until you get (laughs) hired. But, you know, um, you got to learn how, how you work as an individual. So if you, if you're better off being in a big school where you kind of, you know, you need that kind of atmosphere, then great. But like, if you want to, if you need to be hands-on and stuff, go to a place where you can do that hands-on thing. Definitely. So
0: what are some of the the specific plays or, or shows that you've been a part of over the years, um, either, you know, behind the scenes or, you oh, know, dude. on stage that... Um... I've done so many plays. <laughs> well, what are some of your favorites? Is the question. Yeah.
1: All right. So, geez.
0: Or memorable.
1: Yeah. Um. Boy. I'd say the most, me- the most memorable one, and it's traumatic for me just because of how <laughs> things worked out with it. Uh, we had to do... I'd say this was probably it was more than 10 years ago. It was probably like 12 or so, maybe more 12 or 14 years ago. We did little shop of horrors. Oh, if you, if you know that, I mean, you know, there's the movie that's pretty, uh, pretty famous out there, but yeah, the the play, the play is very similar to the movie. The ending is different, but it's basically, you know, a plant, a man eating plant (laughs) that eats people. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and, and Seymour, the, the lead is using it to kind of gain fame and fortune and the girl and all that stuff. So, uh, in, in the show, uh, the plant is obviously a puppet, different, different iterations of a puppet. Right. Um, so to begin with, he's like a little potted plant and it's like a little hand puppet. Right. So when the guy's walking around, he has the hand puppet, uh, he's kind of hiding it. It's kind of cool to be able to do that. Then uh, then it gets a little bigger and he's kind of doing a little bigger one. Uh, then it's big and there's a man inside of a plant costume <laughs> in a pot doing like, you know, big alligator kind of moving, opening and closing of the mouth. Right. Then it gets really big and we had to build this thing. So each one of these we built right. um, from scratch. <laughs> so uh, By the way, the easier thing to do would be to like rent it from this place who's done it already and there was talk of doing that, but we ended up not doing it because of (laughs) cost and all this stuff. So we're um, we, we had to build the big one, which was I think the height of the thing when it stood upright was close to 10 feet tall or something like that, 8 to 10 feet tall. Wow! And when the guy was inside of it, he was kind of in like a cradle sitting down and then he had to like pull up and down on the jaw for it to kind of open and close and stuff and it worked out great but how we built it is really important to how it would move you know you, you think uh, about the logistics of how a puppet would move you know you know you think of like like Kermit the frog right Kermit the frog is just basically probably cardboard inside there or something really flimsy you know so he can move around and stuff yeah. so for our original iteration of the plant, we did um, steel pencil rod. So it's like steel metal, but like the thickness of a pencil. So it's yeah. it's long and thin and kind of bendable, but it's rigid. You know, it's very like an umbrella it a little bit if you move it around, but it's it's solid. Yeah. The issue is, we the director wanted the plant to wiggle more to like have a little more life to it. So it must've been a day or two before, God, I can't remember the exact specifics, but a day or two before we opened the show, you know, they were doing like rehearsals for like a month and stuff with the the plant. Two days before they're like, well, I think we're going to go to PVC pipe. PVC pipe is a little more wiggly, you know, it gives a little bit more. So we had to redo the big plant in PVC pipe like within a day and a half, two days. <laughs> and it was like a mad dash to get it done. I remember we were opening the show and we were still gluing pieces together backstage, trying to get it to go as the show was going on. Like oh, it was that one's traumatic for me. <laughs> yeah. So any any show that I do now. It's like well at least we don't have to make a man eating plant. <laughs> like, <laughs> did it did it hold up on stage? It did. It did. You know, there were some times it blew out or something. You have to re-glue it or whatever, but um, no, the, it, it worked out ultimately. Um, that was just one of those oh boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean there's been a, there's been so many different shows. Every show has its own problems that you have to solve and and design issues they have to kind of work around. And, you know, depending on how much money and budget you have, you can make it work. Um, The, uh, the thing when I was technical director, the thing I would use is the golden ratio. You know what the golden ratio is? No. So if you think of it as a triangle, right. Each point of the triangle is a decision you can make. You can only make two decisions. Hmm. You can have something cheap, you can uh, okay. have something, have something good or you can have something fast. You can't have all three. Right. So you, so you can have it fast and cheap. It's not going to be good. <laughs> you can have something good and fast. It's not going to be cheap, you know? So it, that is completely true in theater. It's, it's um, at least from the technical side of things. Right. Uh, if you have a lot of money, you can get things done quickly and really good. But if you don't have money, you're going to have to take some time and figure out what you can cut and and make work in different ways.
0: Yeah, it seems like each show would be its own challenge depending on what they give you to work with.
1: Right, right. And, you know, you you, you read some of these plays and some of these are... It it boggles my mind sometimes in terms of, like, you'll be in a a scene, right? And then all of a sudden in the middle of the second... Connect act now they're in England like, wait a second we were the whole show we were in New York now we're in England like at the end of the show they ended up so you know you have to figure out scenically wow we have to change the entire set in like a minute <laughs> because the writer wanted to send them to jolly old England or whatever, whatever it is uh I yeah writers please think about your scenery people <laughs> I'm sure they don't
0: for the most part you know
1: maybe i mean they, they mostly do uh it's right. just geez
0: they, they probably have they probably think they got the biggest budget
1: They're you know well it's you know i'm sure they're writing it in such a way that the it's the ideal you know it's right here's the best case scenario this is what i want you know of course but you have to make adjustments and you know uh, uh you know instead of uh a complete scene change maybe it's just a a lighting special that's far down stage out of the way and it's isolated and in a spotlight you know right you just got to be creative with that
0: so switching into the the whole improv thing how did uh, you and judith get into doing that uh
1: well that was another kind of like on a whim kind of thing we uh judith and i judith is my wife uh we uh we i think at the time we were dating it was early on like back in 2007 2000 something like that 2008 it was 2008 uh we were just kind of hanging out with a friend of ours and she's like oh i just took this improv class and i learned some of these games you guys want to play these games and you know I mean, I'm always up for like a good, like game of charades or something. So I'm like, yeah, let's play, let's do it. (laughs) And, uh, it was good. It was fun. And we were actually pretty good at it. So like, we kept that kind of in the back of our minds and, you know, a friend of that friend said, Hey, we're putting together a, a show of comedians in downtown Naples. Um, are you guys interested in doing like some of your improv? And we're like, Whoa, uh okay and we're like oh my god we don't know any games we don't know how to do this so we had to like cobble together some people who actually knew some of the games and um and that's that's what we do we do short form improv so it's kind of like that show whose line is it anyway if you've ever seen it
0: oh definitely um that's one of my yeah. questions coming up about that show but
1: yeah yeah so um so we did it we did probably a, about a, like a 20 minute set which, uh, which is interesting. Cause we were, we were on stage, we did like four games, I think. And, uh, the other comedians that were there were stand-up comedians. And from that night, way back in 2008, uh, we rocked the house. We were the funniest group up there. Like oh, nice. the owner came up to us and was like, Hey, you guys are really good. Do you want to come here and do stuff? so we actually got to perform at that place regularly it was like every sunday night or something like that for a while and then just from that it would just it just it was another thing And just kind of like a little bit more and a little bit more and then we're like oh we got this person oh oh and you used to do improv before oh that's cool and and it just it just kept on getting better and you know better people better games we were getting better at it um we we changed. Uh, we we had a group together. We would perform locally and at different country clubs, and so we you know we we could take the, the show on the road because it's improv. It's not like you need sets and props and stuff like that. Costumes. It's okay. just stuff that you make up on your own, uh, improvised. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It, it it was just a kind of a thing that we did on on the side and we ended up saying hey we can actually do this as a business so we start our own business and uh come tax season that's kind of what we (laughs) end up having to do
0: so that kind of leads me into you know this this podcast is called the deep dive so i like to you know second half of the podcast i like to deep dive into a certain topic you know depending on the guest so we're going to talk about improv comedy. Um, okay. I'll start off with some fun facts that I learned, you know, via via Google. Um, improv comedy predates writing. Um, and the most direct ancestor to current improv comedy today began in the 1500s. So you might have known that already, but that was some
1: facts that I like. I'd like I'd like to know uh, who's keeping record of that cuz they're all <laughs> improvisers they're all la- they're all lazy cuz they'd be like oh we'll, <laughs> we'll write it down later
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so my first question with with that is what what do you think makes a good improv performer you know i think it's a very specialized talent you have to <clears throat> you, you know you have to be quick on your feet and stuff so what do you think what do you think makes a
1: really good improver uh improviser improviser that's that's a technical term of course (laughs) um you know i think there can be all different kinds of improvisers actually uh to be good at improv it's basically being good at acting too i mean it kind of branches off into everything. And I teach a class about this and I'm, I I'll I'll talk about that in a second, but I I think the short answer would be to listen and add to it. Um, There's this, there's this, I call it a philosophy. It's a two word um, philosophy on improv and it's called yes. And yeah. And if you've come across that, then it's that it it sounds simple, but it, all it is, is, taking what someone gives you and adding to it right and at at the core of what improv is that's exactly what you need so to be a good improviser you just need to be able to listen take what someone gives you and send it back but adding something different to it not just mirroring what the person is saying but like you know Mm -hmm. it's that whole thing of uh oh, hey, you bought a pet chicken. And then I say, yes. And I named him Freckles. (laughs) He's really cute. And he runs really fast. You know, you add what's interesting to it because then otherwise it's just like bouncing things back and forth. So, uh, so yeah. Yes, and you got to be good at yes, and. That
0: makes sense. You got to be clever and, you know. I think it takes like a sort of, you know, I guess you got to get over the stage fright stuff too, right? You got to be able to. Yeah.
1: Uh, What I what I teach in my class uh, because I teach a class down here, an improv like introductory improv. Uh I call it improv for everyone because everyone can do improv. We're improvising right now. It's not like we have a script. Sure. You know, we're we're performing. There's no, uh, I mean, you have a list, you have guidelines, but I mean, it's not like we're, you know, we're doing it off the cuff. Yeah. Everyone in this world improvises. It just depends on what the scenario is as to whether it's funny, whether it's serious, you know, um, I always teach in my class. Don't try to be funny because real life is funny enough the scenario you're put in is going to make it funny. So, you know, you're going to have the comedians like a Jim Carrey or someone like that, that kind of overdoes it. And he's right. so over the top that it's freaking hilarious. And of course there's going to be people like that. And I'm sure I've probably done that many times. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't recall it. Uh, but you know, you, if you try to be funny too much, you're going to fail
0: because right.
1: because then the anticipation is there like if you're like oh this is going to be funny watch this da, 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 da. and then there's no reaction then where do you go from there if you're I think in I've, this situation yeah you're in the situation I've seen just, that,
0: you know yeah, in improv and in comedy where somebody was trying to be funny and it was like you know it was kind of transparent that they you know they were they wanted you to laugh big there and stuff, and right. you know. But that's a good you can't way to force look. it. Yeah, you can't force it. And that's a good way to look at it. That you know, we're always improvising, anyways. You know.
1: Yeah, so that's why that's why I call it a philosophy. Yeah, it's, it's yes, it's yes and because if you say no to things, and if you keep questioning the scenario, where does that get you in life? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's why, that's why it's a philosophy. I I must kind of give improv the, uh, credit that it's due that it changed my life completely. Hmm. I mean, I was kind of an, uh, a performer, so to speak before improv, but when I learned improv, it made me a better actor. It made me a better worker. Like I, at at my job, even though it's at a theater, you know, we we it's a regular job. Um, yeah. you know, if you just think a little more positively throughout your day, your day might actually one go faster, but also two, you might do things either better or you know, be relied upon by your coworkers or your boss a little more, and good things happen from there. If you keep saying no to something. There's nowhere for you to go.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that is even a certain type of philosophy where, it's, I mean, that I know you didn't mean that in like a self-help way, but there is like a always say yes type of yeah. thing. You know,
1: I, I totally mean it in a self-help way. It, oh, okay. it, com- it completely, it completely is. It's, it, but I mean, it's whatever you want it to be. Sure. That's the great thing about yes. And it can be just in a regular conversation or it can be your, your just overall outlook. Um, and that's what I think changed my outlook on my perspective on just life in general, I guess.
0: Yeah. And probably a better conversationalist being a yes. And person than, a you know, no, no, why, you know, like, right. Kind of, we all know those kind of people, but so,
1: but I mean, but anyone can try that though. You, if you're, if you're just talking with someone and they, and you ask them a question and they're like, no, I don't want to talk about that. That doesn't make for an interesting conversation.
0: Right. That kind (laughs) of ends
1: the conversation. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So have you been inspired by specific improv groups over the years, like Second City, Groundlings, Upright Citizens Brigade, Improv.
1: There are so many good ones. Yeah, those are great. Um, The uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Upright Citizens Brigade was like the rebel improvisers. They seemed so out there, so off kilter. Right, Um, that uh, they were, you know, that's where like, uh, was it, Amy Poehler and uh, Rob Riggle, like those guys they're crazy Um, yeah, all that, I mean I, you know, growing up (laughs) you know, you watch Saturday Night Live, of course, and all those guys on Saturday Night Live I'd say 85% of them come from improv like Mike Myers Mm -hmm. uh uh shoot i mean jim belushi was yeah a a master at it i mean they would they would write things in his um in his script in in the first couple seasons of saturday night live that just said just be funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah there was no lines for him he would just come up with something on the spot that night and it would be hilarious um uh, I would say, I mean, shoot, even the other stuff like Mad TV, some of those guys come from yeah. improv. Um, I watched a lot of TV and, and movies as a kid. So, like, you know, Jim Carrey and uh, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, like all those guys really. Well, even
0: uh, got me the, the early SNL guys. I mean, Bill Murray, he was Second City. Bill
1: Murray. Um, Talk about a guy who has interesting philosophies on life. Bill oh, Murray. Right is that I think it's another guy that took like just his overall outlook and just applied it to himself.
0: Definitely he, yeah. he's one of he's one of my heroes. I mean yeah I I love Bill Murray. That attitude that's the attitude I respect the most the the it's kind of like an I don't give a fuck attitude but like uh not in a mean way
1: you know no. just he's uh, he's subdued and nonchalant about it
0: yeah he he's gonna do what he wants and he always has and right you know i heard a funny story (laughs) that have you ever seen that movie uh what about bob yeah 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 with uh richard Dreyfus,
1: i'm sailing i'm sailing
0: (laughs) well i guess the hatred in that movie from richard Dreyfus was real he hated bill murray and oh, Bill Murray wow. did everything he could on that set just to mess with Richard Dreyfuss, and it really <laughs> shows in the movie. If you, I, after hearing that story, I watched the movie again, and you can see, you know, they're acting, but he really hates Bill Murray, and it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just this chaotic uh, philosophy that he that he's always had that. He's definitely one of my...
1: (laughs) Well, And I think it it works really well for that movie because if you've seen the movie, it's, you know, Richard Dreyfuss is the straight-laced guy, the psychiatrist, and, you know, Bill Murray just wants to basically get a friend. Right. (laughs) And and it kind of works in that scenario because Dreyfuss didn't want him around and kept trying to get rid of him. And, I mean, maybe in a brilliant way, that's what Bill Murray meant to do. Oh, yeah. just to mess with him enough to, to get that performance out of him I don't know but maybe um, yeah, he, yeah I, I don't want
0: to turn this into a whole I could do a whole Bill Murray podcast but <laughs> maybe
1: you should maybe you should <laughs> that's um, probably, I think probably there, a future episode a, yeah there are other uh, people that, that really influenced me I, you know when, when we first got into it and we first started uh, thinking about actually creating a uh, a company my wife and I I actually read some improv books. Some of them are really interesting. Um, you know, there's ones by, uh, what is his name? Joel, Joel Johnston, Johnston. And it's just, it's just basic, like how to improvise kind of stuff. Some of it's really interesting because it's, it just breaks things down into like simple forms and whatnot. But like mm-hmm. one, one or two that I, I read, uh, bossy pants by Tina Fey mm-hmm. is really good. Um Tina Fey is a really good example of like you were saying before using improv to write
2: because
1: she, she comes from um, second city and in second city, they would do these skits and they take from the skit, you know, they do something, you know, improvised, da, 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 da. And then she's like, okay, hold on. So then she would take that and actually write a whole, uh, you know, either another sketch or just a whole uh, application of a, a story from that. So she used improv to get the ideas going. And then in her book, she says she still does it today. She still uses, uh, she kind of acts out some stuff and then she's like, okay, yeah, that works. And then she'll write it all down. So I thought yeah, that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, that definitely is interesting. And she, you know, she kind of carved out a whole career out of doing that you know
1: yeah yeah um she, that's I, I i really respect her because she was she was never i mean she does some stupid jokes sometimes for a laugh but she was never uh i don't know it seemed like she, she did things at least from what i see kind of the right way yeah um there was i mean there's so many good the the thing about the thing about improv is you never know what you're gonna find that's funny or good. So like there are so many places in the US where you know, oh that town has an improv group. Oh, that town has an improv group. Like if you have a local improv troupe, just go watch it. You might see some brilliant work. You never know. Yeah. Because sure. uh, um, you know, there's there's short form stuff that like we do, but also there's like long form stuff where you have to go longer like there's there's scenes that go together and then it becomes a whole story uh there's this whole i forget if they're in london or if they're in another place Uh, i don't remember but there's um there's a shakespeare improv company and Mm -hmm. all they do is improvised shakespeare um scenarios like they'll use like hamlet as an inspiration and then just do a whole (laughs) improvised set of that so uh that's interesting yeah Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, the cool thing about that
0: yeah it doesn't have to just be one thing it can be you know it's improv you know they the the shakespeare one that probably is i would think that it isn't a london or
1: england one you would think you know Life. Maybe uh, there's also some really. I mean, it could be in. Who knows? It might be in Arkansas. You know. <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> be- because I think because Judith and I were looking this up, I'd say back in like 2017 or 2018, we were just kind of looking online and just seeing what everybody else is up to and stuff. And I swear to God, there's like in Florida anyway. There's like a whole list of improv groups, and they're like. Oh, such and such from Orlando and such and such from Sarasota. It looked like every single town had a group. Hmm. So uh, down here, there's the Sarasota Improv Festival that um, we haven't been to yet because I always worked at that weekend. But um, there's like there's whole, you know, there's workshops and there's, uh, you know, places where they the different improv groups which usually you know someone from that group or that group and uh you know they get together and they swap stories and it's really kind of fun
0: yeah it sounds like a whole community
1: yeah so um
0: (laughs) you mentioned earlier whose line is it anyway Mm -hmm. um i think that's the example a lot of people nowadays think about when they when they think about improv you know, mm-hmm. spe- especially our generation, you know, we kind of grew up on that show uh, mm-hmm. with Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles. Wayne Brady blew up off that show. Yeah.
1: So uh, what are your thoughts
0: on that show? Were, were you a big fan of it?
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I started watching in college, which is weird because I didn't do improv until after college. Yeah. But I started watching... Um, the uh, the British version of whose line is it anyway? With the uh, oh god, what's the guy's name? The the host was um, I can't remember. Covid brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, like they would have. Uh, I think Colin Mockery was on it occasionally, and and whatnot. Similar games and whatnot. Um, that was great. I thought it was just good to see funny. I don't right. care if it's like, I don't care if it's if it's a cheap joke. It's just good. Oh, definitely. Know? I mean, I don't care about selling out. If you're good at it, then freaking sell away. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I thought it was interesting when it came to the U.S. Uh, they kept the similar styles and similar everything. I thought Drew Carey should have just been the host. I hated when J- Drew Carey went up and actually did stuff with them because <laughs> he was horrible at it every single time. It was like, right. just stay behind the desk, Drew. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Ryan Stiles is the goofiest mother out there, but it's just funny. Everything he does is funny. Oh, he's great. And I always liked the... Uh... Colin Mochrie was my favorite, but Ryan, oh, yeah. the way they played Don't off to get, each other. Yeah. The, and that's, and that's part of the other fun of improv is once you get to know the people you're playing with, I mean, yes, you have inside jokes and stuff, but like you can mess with them and oh, they, yeah. and they enjoy it. In fact, they might even, you know, do well because of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's one thing we got, we try to not to do in our group is, um, have too many inside jokes because then the audience will be like, Hey, right. it's just, they're making jokes to themselves. <laughs> but like, you know, if you, you poke fun, you know, innocent fun at your, your partner on stage and if they're a part of it, then it, it just enriches the entire show. Well, um, I
0: think, yeah, they were, they were great. They played off each other. Great. And I think that's where Drew Carey was good too, that he, uh, you're right. When he got on the stage, he was a little stiff with the with the stuff, but he was a good foil for, for them. Like when they when they wanted to rip on him, that, yeah, that was always super funny. There's yeah. a there's a YouTube clip that I've watched a few times where it's like the outtake one, and there's this one where uh, I think Ryan Styles makes a Hitler joke, mm. and and like the producer comes out and is like, no, no, you know, no, you can't do that. So Drew Carey keeps trying to get the joke in, and uh he gets so upset that the guy won't let him use the, the Hitler joke. It's if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's really funny.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. I mean the one that's big that came out, I mean, it's been out forever, but when um, Richard Simmons comes out and is, <laughs> is doing one of the games with them and they're using his body as a prop. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and that's the other fun thing is, you know, when you had like a celebrity go on there, like, you know, freaking Ro- uh, Robin Williams was amazing oh. at improv. That's yeah. all he did all day long. Robin Williams was just, entertaining everyone and um i think that i mean not to get too dark or anything but that's that's something that you know people don't realize is like comedians aren't necessarily always yucky yuck funny funny but like they're always right. wanting to make everybody else feel good True. and uh and i think that's that's the cool thing about a show like that is like it's silly yes it may be a little over the top at times but hey if it if it's fun, like, I, I'd still watch it.
0: And Robin Williams, great example. Yeah, he was he was just a great entertainer. I know he probably came out of one of those Second City or the Groundlings or, or one of them. He
1: actually, I think he went to Juilliard, if I'm oh, not mistaken. That makes sense. So he, he came a little bit more from the um, acting side of things but like he was a stand-up comedian. Like he turned, into, yeah. he turned into a comedian. He was just so entertaining. I could be wrong about the Juilliard thing. If you, <laughs> it sounds if you right. Fact, if you fact check me, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> um, but like, because he was just, he was so fast. His brain was so fast. Right. And he was so good at impressions and just, but that's another guy. Like he had that talent and he just kept cultivating it and cultivating it. And, you know you learn a lot when you're on stage and i think he was early on in his his career he was on stage a lot doing stand-up and he probably uh he figured it out early because he wanted everyone to to have fun like he was having fun of course the drugs probably helped but i was just gonna say (laughs) cocaine
0: cocaine was involved in his yeah it
1: was but he
0: still stayed sharp
1: you know doing that yeah Um, but like that was that's just it though like when he was doing you know because i think he was a, a special guest on Who's line once or twice and he just he fit right in like there was no yeah. he could have been a cast member easy oh for sure and people would have watched that
0: you know it, yeah it's kind of funny i was just just thinking this it'd be kind of interesting if one of the the you know Uncensored networks like HBO or or even like a Netflix did like an improv thing where, you know, they didn't have to worry about being outrageous or swearing or, you know, doing if crazy. You, if, you,
1: if you're really interested in watching really interesting improv and it's different, if it, this is more long form stuff, mm-hmm. uh, there's a thing, I want to say it was on Netflix. It's called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Huh. It's these two improv, improv actors. You, you might know them. They've done some like uh, different um, movies and stuff. So they're actors, right. but like they know improv and they do the, these two man shows and it's all improvised and they, they get suggestions at the beginning of the show and then they just go. It's really interesting. I think there's like four or five episodes. Maybe not that many, three or four episodes, and uh, it's really good. It, I would suggest just watch like one of them. You'll be, it's really funny. I, I'm I'm probably sure they edit some of it out, but even still, it's it's really friggin' hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like
0: it's uh, you know, that's uh, I'm sure there's gonna be more shows like that, you know, coming out because yeah, you know, people like to laugh and. You know, stand-up comedy is is stand-up comedy, but you know, there's definitely, you know, like you said, Robin Williams is a perfect example. He could do both, and his, sometimes his stand-up comedy seemed like an improv set, you know? You, you could tell he wasn't necessarily, he didn't have the jokes written down and, you know, he was going to do them in a certain order or whatever. He just kind of went out there and Right. which is
1: hard which is hard to do because i know some stand-up comedians and they're like i don't think i can do that <laughs> oh no
0: and i mean e- even some great stand-up comedians george carlin was famous for being meticulous yeah he yeah. would write everything down and to the last syllable you know until he got it memorized yeah
1: because well, that worked for him right. I mean, and, and that's and that's what we were saying earlier is you know, everyone's different. Everyone's going to have different uh, ways that they their process is. And that was what worked really well for him. And he was a master at it. So yeah. Um, yeah. If, you're, if, you're think, if you're looking for other things that, that have improv roots, uh, have you ever seen the movie Best in Show? I've heard of it. It's, it's, a, a, it's a movie about um, dog competitions like dog shows? Yes. It, it it's 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 by um uh, Christopher Guest and yes. uh C- Christopher Guest is from uh The Princess Bride. He plays the six-fingered man. Yes. You know the guy you killed my father to prepare to die. <laughs> um he uh <laughs> he and his acting troupe which includes like Eugene Levy and uh Catherine O'Hara, they've done a bunch of different movies. And what it is, is it's all improvised. Oh, wow. (laughs) There's like a loose, there's a loose story. They're like, okay, I think at some point, so-and-so is going to do this, but like, mostly we're going to fill in and then so-and-so is, that's the end, but let's see how we get there. Okay. And go. So like, none of them have lines and they, they just do take after take and see what sticks and it's freaking brilliant. I don't have examples
0: offhand, but there's actually been a few movies where I've heard the history of the movie and they were like, most of the dialogue was, was improvised by these actors. There's certain ones, I guess that one director, um, uh, the one that did uh, like super bad and stuff. He's, oh um
1: judd apatow
0: judd apatow i guess he's very famous for he just kind of lets lets the actors riff a lot um yeah. you know just some of the funniest scenes in, in some of the biggest movies were just they weren't in the original script they just let the actors
1: you know do it um do, i think it started th- it started back with um this is spinal tap oh yeah that was that was another one that Christopher Guest was in it but it was directed by Rob Reiner. Yeah. And when it when it was released in the 80s people thought it was an actual documentary. <laughs> because the way they shot it and how it looked and uh, <laughs> turned it up but, to
0: 11. <laughs>
1: yeah. But most of that, I mean, I'd say probably 80% of it was improvised according to, you know, the the guys that were in it. Yeah. So, the the
0: the new somewhat newer example I guess now it's kind of older but the the broken lizard people that do uh, uh-huh yeah yeah uh, those guys I, super I know, troopers like, and yeah super troopers I'm sure most of that's imp- improvised such a that's a good rewatch by the way the second one's not as good but
1: yeah yeah I uh, I remember watching with my brother uh beer fest.
0: <laughs> yeah i think
1: that's, when, when, that's the same guys it's uh, same guys yeah. and they're from upstate new york actually oh wow yeah yeah it, um little local plug yeah
0: definitely um very randomly not that he's funny but tom Cruise is from Syracuse.
1: No, yeah uh, we don't talk about that
0: yeah but <laughs> we don't necessarily need to go into
1: that um, i think i think the um The Baldwin brothers are from upstate somewhere too. Like Alec Baldwin and Stephen Baldwin.
0: Yeah. I I think I've heard that too. Um, I'm not sure exactly where. Uh, So we talked about Saturday Night Live a little bit, you know, Uh a lot of those, even though it's scripted, a lot of those uh, comedians came from, you know, the improv world. Um and I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier too, but did you ever, or do you ever have aspirations for like, you know, trying out for that?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that would, that would have, I feel like I'm a little too old now. I'm 39. I'm going to turn 40 here in September. And like, if, if I were to do it, it would have been like probably Twelve years ago (laughs) but yeah that would have been awesome like um just to be just to be with those creative people knowing that they probably will go off and do better things because if you look at saturday night live it's like a it's like a college you know they moved up to this and then they're going to either go off and do a late night show or a movie star or whatever yeah it's um, a
0: jumping off point
1: for sure but i but i think it goes back to what i was saying earlier about you know being being that that little fish in the big pond i think my comfort level is better off you know making making the smaller groups of people happier right. not not to say that like you know i wouldn't invite actually going on there and like doing something that would actually be awesome right. but um but you know, I'd love to be the, uh, you know, the, um, the the John Belushi guy that that just has to fill in and be silly, not necessarily memorize lines. Yeah. Although I have memorized lines before I've been in shows. So I've right. done that too.
0: Yeah, it's, you know. If
1: anyone from SNL is listening, <laughs> I, I'm still available.
0: <laughs> you hear that? Book them off yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I wonder... I guess I never looked into this, but I wonder who are some of the older performers that they've they've signed. Um,
1: I know I re- I remember Phil Hartman was kind of older when yeah. he signed on. Um, I think he was probably almost forty, probably or so when he yeah, started. Yeah, I'm sure there's. That. I'm sure there's been a a few that that you know. I think Leslie Jones was in her—that's true—almost turned fifty or something like
0: that. Yeah, and she, she just blew up on there,
1: you know. Yeah, and so, Phil Hartman was one of the best to ever do it. So yeah, you never know. It's it's always, um, it's always something that's been uh, intriguing, of course. Right, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that would be something that. I'd really want to do. I'm like, if the, if the offer like came to me, I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. But like, yeah. I don't think I want to aspire to do that.
0: Yeah. Because
1: just... that would, what's the other thing? Um, oh my God. That was the other movie I was trying to think of. Mike Berbiglia did a improv movie last year with Keenan, Michael Keane. Oh, okay. Uh, God bless me if I can not remember what the name of the damn movie is. But it's it's about that. It's about like, oh, hey, uh, I hear uh, the agent for a show like Saturday Night Live is coming by. So like the whole movie is is whether or not, you know, he feels like he could go and do a, a big show like that, going from a small improv group to that. And Keenan Michael Keen's character decides that he wants to do it and he goes up and he actually becomes successful and stuff. So like, and in in that sense, I think, I guess maybe it goes back to what you were saying earlier about selling out. I don't know if you'd call it selling out, but I think being more, uh, more into creating things in a more smaller, intimate level than okay. bigger, I guess. Yeah. is more it's, important to me. Yeah. That makes
0: sense. So I know you, uh, you recently just did an improv show. This past was, did you recently just do one this past Saturday? Uh,
1: last night. Yeah. Last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was different cause we were still kind of social distancing and whatnot, but, uh, you
0: know, <laughs> yeah
1: (sighs) it's challenging yeah and is that your second
0: show or third show since you've since covid
1: uh it's our first show that was our first show um we did a we did an online show back in august so in august that was something that we we did uh very social distanced and we had like squares on the floor and like don't get out of your square You have your mask off, but as soon as you walk off stage, put your mask on. And then um, last night, uh, you know, we it was mostly myself and my wife on stage. So we were actually maskless because, you know, vaccines are a thing now. And, uh, um, you know, the audience had masks on and stuff, but uh, it was good. It was good to get out in front of people and make some people laugh again so that was good yeah i'm sure people are craving it too they are they are and 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 us performers want to do stuff like oh definitely man we i i can only do so many like zoom shows (laughs) yeah exactly Uh,
0: people i i mean i think i think once you know we had a if we hit a threshold, I mean, there's a lot of stupid people still that won't get the vaccine, but, um, yeah, once we hit a certain threshold, I, I think they're going to open up concert venues. I know they're starting to do that already, but I think it's going to be a big end of summer, you know, just for performers and for, for fans that, you know, have been craving yeah. it for,
1: for a year plus. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, with people getting vaccines, I think it's kind of become more and more open and whatnot. Um, it, it, down here in Florida, it's uh, it's definitely a. I think they're a little more loose than up in uh, New York in terms of regulation and whatnot. So, right. uh, um, you know, we 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 try our best. At least, my wife and I are, are trying our best to stay smart about it and uh even if even if we are doing a show it's it's not putting anybody in jeopardy you know yeah um and you know it everyone has the right to 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 decide whether they want a vaccine or not but um you know my my mentality on it is uh, doing it for someone who is vulnerable not necessarily for myself you know exactly and, um, I think uh that gets lost sometimes in this whole mess is like not everybody has good immune systems, yeah so. and people just some people are selfish
0: or you know they're not thinking about you know it's a numbers game, you know, not to get into the whole thing, but you know, my wife and I had it, and as you know, and uh mm. it sucked, so. Yeah. Um hopefully everybody gets that and we can all go to shows again. Do you have any yeah, we'll, um we'll get there. We'll get there. Do you have anything planned um for stage 2?
1: We do. Actually, we because uh where I work, the, the theater where I work is is a place that is starting to open up again. We just recently opened a show uh for a run um this past Tuesday Wednesday so um, we decided to reach out to the theater and now we have bookings for stage two um, through December oh, awesome! so um, yeah so we have a show at the end of this month like the 29th and then um, almost it's almost once a month I think we basically have a show once a month and where can people go to, to get tickets Oh um you can go to uh the naplesplayers.org that's the uh the theater where the the show takes place or um, you can visit our website um, stage2improv.com and we have a link to the other page cuz we don't do tickets ourselves it's right. through the theater um and check us out or just check us out on facebook too or uh, stage2improv um, crazy mofos, we are.
0: <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot for doing the podcast. Yeah, man. It was fun. Yeah. Good definitely. Chat. And um, I will talk to everybody next week. Thanks again to my guest, Mike Santos, for a great interview. Uh, tune in next week when my guest is Dave Shelton. Um, He's an award-winning film and television writer, cartoonist, author, musician, voice actor, and he's currently running for West Virginia State Legislature. So, that will be hitting next Monday. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and uh, follow, like, and subscribe. All that helps the podcast.
2: Thanks.